137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. This is episode 175, our holiday Q&A round two. This is where we begin to answer the questions you guys sent in to us. And we just want to say again, thank you so much for writing in. We had a hell of a good time answering these questions. We really hope you enjoy listening to these episodes. And without further ado, here you go. Enjoy round two. Okay, folks. All right. Now now that it's been about 40 good minutes of us, let's get to the questions that you all want to know. Um, Preston, you want to start things off? Yeah. So um, my uh, young compatriot, Josh L., messaged me today, and uh, he had texted me. I don't know if you guys covered this yet, but have you guys talked about the Sally House in Atchison? Mm-hmm. I know it's a local thing, but I have a friend who visited the house for a week and encountered a bunch of weird stuff. Oh, shit. This is not a question. Sorry. Um, <laughs> hold on. All right. Are there any paranormal explanations to feeling like you're being watched even when there's no one else around? Okay. Shut up. Well, the, for the Sally House, real quick, we have not, uh, none of us have gone, right? Yeah, we haven't okay. gone. None of I us have, have gone I'd to the Sally to. House. John and yet. Leslie have. Yeah, our friends John and Leslie, um, they have been a couple times. We were wanting to go back. Before COVID was a thing, we had plans to go down to Sally House um, with Big Dobbs um, on the group of us to go do that. And then COVID kind of just derailed that plan. But. Mm-hmm. God, also, real quick, I should interject. Some of my favorite episodes have been with John and Leslie, the Amityville Horror yeah. series. That episode was a lot of fun. So anyway. Okay, yeah, so the main question. Um, I'll I'll jump in first, and if you guys want to add, definitely feel free to. I, I have had this mm-hmm. phenomenon happen to me before, feeling like you're being watched. Um, the thing about feeling like you're being watched, it, it all kind of comes down to like a scientific aspect of it, being that your eyes are a sense and an organ that do a lot more than I think we really realize. Preston, you and I, in our professional life, uh, we deal with eyeballs. Mm -hmm. We work in the uh, optical industry. Um, When it comes to being stared at, like a lot of other things, you know, you feel like you're being watched or something, you know, is you feel this instinct like you're just being observed. That's normal because you have a lot more of an optic range than you think. You have periphery, you have straightforward. And sometimes your eyes pick up things that your brain has to kind of catch up on. So in a 2013 case study, there was this patient. He's only known as TN, letter T, letter N. He was, um, oh gosh, what do you call it? Cortically blind, meaning that his visual cortex was damaged. So he couldn't see in the traditional sense, but his brain still could receive input from his eyes. During this test, they showed him different pictures of faces, certain faces looking directly at him, and then other faces would be looking away. And every time he was shown a picture of his face, his brain could tell which faces looked at him directly and which faces were turned away. Now, that's interesting Hmm. because having, you know, that type of blindness, you shouldn't be able to see these things. All you can really see, I, I believe most times, are like lights and maybe very, very loose shapes. So there was still something in his actual optic nerve or in his eyes 
that would allow him to see. And that part of the brain would then become aroused by feeling a sense of a threat, and it would definitely spike, and those alarms would go off even more during the photos of eyeballs looking directly at him. And so it's almost like the sixth sense of your eyes just picking up more than your brain can keep up with. And if you think about it this way too, it has to do with evolution because really, and this is like a this is not a religious jab, but essentially we're just a bunch of lizard brains that have been shoved into monkey bodies. Um, so we are hardwired, whether you want to believe it's evolutionary or due to creation, we are hardwired to always be looking for a something bigger than us to attack us, or B, to be on the lookout for said predators at all times. Human eyes are very distinctive from any other species in the world as well, because our eyes are also very important to show us emotion and show us detail. That's why our irises are surrounded by a nice, you know, milky white sclera. That way you're able to look at somebody and tell if they're looking at you, they're looking away, they're looking up, down, looking at something. That's also this evolutionary step of like, if I look at you and you're looking down, automatically I'm going to look down to what you're looking at and realize, holy shit, there's a fucking cotton mouth on the ground. You know, so we're able to pick up a lot more than we think we are. Hmm. So that's a scientific aspect, huh. I think, as scientific as yeah. my brain can go. But... Yeah. Also, I've been in an apartment that I used to live in where I constantly felt like I was being watched when I was home alone and there were no photos of people with eyeballs on the walls. So so uh, since you put on your science pants and gave us that whole spiel, I'm going to put on the paranormal pants. <laughs> the tinfoil hat. <laughs> yeah, the tinfoil hat. So r riffing off what you said about like evolution and the way that the brain set up. So there's been this argument in the scientific world that because we were once, you know, ooga booga cavemen mm -hmm. and we had like saber tooth tigers and all this shit trying to get to us all the time, that our, our brain developed this extra sensory perception of if something's behind you, even though that you can't see it, um, you're almost using like ESP um, to sense it. Mm -hmm. And because we've evolved past that and, you know, now we're the dominant species on the planet that we don't use it in an everyday aspect, but it's still there. And so the old wives tell is that the reason why you feel like you're being watched is either somebody's thinking about you, somebody's daydreaming about you or somebody's dreaming about mm -hmm. you. And psychically you're picking up on that extra perception, you know, perception of them doing that and that's what's giving you that sensation that somebody's watching you and then um, also, I know. also <laughs> um you, you know ghosts are going to interact with you psychically right because they're on a different plane of existence so if you're sitting in your house and you're walking <laughs> down a hallway and all of a sudden you get the heebie-jeebies and the hair on the on your arm stands up and you feel like you're being watched Probably because there's some pervert ghost standing behind you, yeah. looking at you and eyeballing you. Okay, um, let me tell you this. Yeah. I don't want to sound like, like, okay, I'm just going <laughs> to say it. I've never experienced that. The reason why, for 15 years of my life, I've been working in the same profession where people stare at you all day long, every uh, hour that you work. Interesting. Yeah. I never feel like anybody's watching me because I'm just so used to being stared at. I, I think that kind of affects like everything about my life. Uh -huh. people, like I just, I like to where I don't give a fuck what people think I look like. 
the way I dress, my fashion sense, whatever. Just because I've had people look at me, stare at me every day <laughs> of the day of work. You know what I mean? Yeah. You no, know, that's, and like, yeah. And it's not like, because, you know, if people work in like customer service, your guys' profession, whatever you guys do, like, you know, you interact with people, but it's not common for people just to, to gawk and stare at you, you know, mm-hmm. with, you know, it's like, it's just kind of like a weird, a different vibe. So I don't know. That's a, that's a hard, que- that's a hard question. Cause I've never, I've never felt like that, that somebody has been watching me. Yeah. It's not there, but I agree with both with what you're saying. Interesting. I think that the eyes and all the senses are so overloaded. Your brain, mm-hmm. the, the brain is so complex. We're never going to understand that shit. Well, and I think also what Josh is kind of um, asking too, that feeling of being watched is also amplified um, not only by the eyes, but the ears as well in a way, because the sixth sense that we seem to have, it's not just the eyeballs, like I mentioned earlier. I think it has to do with your ears and your eyes, because those are the two arguably most important senses that we have. And, you know, kind of think about like, spy, it's almost like a spider sense, Um if you walk, into I knew you were. I knew you were gonna do it. <laughs> you Peter Parker, fuck. Um, like walking into a room, some people can hear if somebody else is in the room based on like. Okay, so take for instance my bedroom. I walk into the bedroom, lights on, lights off. I know what that room sounds like. I know how things echo in that room. Um, I'm not trying to sound you know obnoxious or you know stuck up or I actually have this. But I can tell, like, walking into the bedroom, like, if something's in the room that's not supposed to be there, like a large box or, like, a pile of clothes or laundry basket, the room sounds different. So having that, you know, perception of your your hearing, audible perception, and also your visual perception, those two things together can pick up on things together that aren't supposed to be there. So, But I think also it's because of your experiences, Maybe, maybe You've, I always have a height. Like sense you're pretty, paranoia. you're pretty, you're pretty paranoid when it comes to sounds. I'm hold on, guys, hold, hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he'll take off the headphones. Hold on a minute, and we'll be like, "Is he gonna get stabbed this time?" Oh my god, no, it's gonna it, happen. You no, know, <laughs> like I, I, I pride myself on being pretty un, unshakable in most instances. The amount of anxiety having an Xbox headset that has two ear covers on it gives me, and yep. gave me when I first got it, is almost indescribable. Because again, like I know. We don't live in a horrible part of town. We don't live in a You've great part of town. You've done well with your town. transition, Padawan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm used to noises. I, I, humans recognize patterns. I recognize patterns of noises in my house. Uh, you guys constantly give me shit because I'm like, what the fuck was that noise? Oh, for fuck's sake, Sean, the fucking trash can blew over. You know? <laughs> right. But the reason why we give you shit is we all have to go back to the story that there were there was like four or five nights in a row that you swear to God that your house was being haunted by something <laughs> because there was like this fucking noise and you're like guys I woke up at like three o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting there in my boxer shorts and I'm running out with my Oldie samurai goody, sword baby. right and we're like on the edge of our seats like all right what's what the fuck Sean do you got an intruder do you got a ghost the climax of that story was oh guys it was my dog snoring I finally figured God, it out Luna was snoring on the bed yeah. <laughs> I'll retell. I'll retell that story one of these days, but (laughs) yeah. So now, also, I could be completely wrong, and there could be ghosts. Maybe you're being watched because there's tons of spirits. Um, I had this apartment. I'll talk about later um, in another question. But the day we moved out of the apartment 112 in El Dorado, at a very specific um, apartment complex. All right, Stephen King. (laughs) Apartment. I was the last one to leave. All I had to do is go inside, grab a bottle of cleaner, and grab the broom. The electricity had already been shut off like an hour before that. 
And I can't tell you how fast I ran out of that apartment building and almost jumped down the entire flight of stairs because the feeling I had. Not fast enough. You wanted that damn deposit back. (laughs) (laughs) The feeling I had of hundreds of sets of eyeballs watching me leave that apartment is still something that I can feel on the back of my neck uh, to this. See what I'm saying? That right there heightens your senses. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like that's that's why you you're constantly surveying a room and you notice things when things are different and sounds different because you've mm-hmm. experienced shit like mm-hmm. that. Oh yeah, I've like, never experienced at, it like that. I probably shit my pants. Even at work in my lab, I'm pretty light footed, so it's not uncommon for me to accidentally sneak up on somebody. And then mm-hmm. if my associates or the UPS guy try to sneak in and scare me. Uh, I can hear them because it's like there's. Wait like a minute. A, oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, there's like your a, UPS guy just like try to actively try to scare you. Yeah. Some like, days. Him, I'm going to get him today. Because yeah, that's kind of the joke is like I'll hide around the corner when he walks in and I'll be like, Hey, what's going on? And he'll be like, Holy shit! Um, no, he's he's your milkman. <laughs> <laughs> so I can I can hear. It just seems like the atmosphere changes. Like, and again, not to be pretentious. Bats have echolocation, so I mean, there's something to that. I can just, it's something sounds off, like the normal noise. Are you have a fucking bat now, Sean? Is that what you're saying? Mm, spider bat, spider <laughs> bat. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's something. Um, yeah. Good notice. question, dude. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Thank you very much. Hopefully, we give you some kind of decent answer. Thanks, so. Josh. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Presto, you want to do that one as well? Yeah, I'll do all the quirky ones. So uh, from uh, Brother <laughs> Curtis Reedus, uh, he sent in three questions. So he wants to know, question number one, Stephen. Oh, for me? Always descri- yeah, <laughs> Thank you, Curtis. Described- Thank you. First off, <laughs> keep my name out your mouth, okay? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, you, Go ahead. Why are you such an <laughs> asshole? <laughs> <laughs> Stephen has always described himself as a hopeful skeptic, if mm-hmm. I remember right. He has experienced he has he experienced anything in the last several years of doing the show that has pushed him towards a true believer. Uh yeah, so yes and no. Like I said, it's still I'm still skeptic. <laughs> still hopeful skeptic <laughs> because the one thing that I did see, I actually had a witness with me and we both saw the same thing. So that's a little bit more towards the believing side and that's when we were driving uh east on the highway towards Tawanda, Kansas, and we both saw a shining, shimmering kind of light during the daytime, which I never expected to see anything in the sky during the daytime that I couldn't explain. Yeah. And this thing was, like, really bright, and it was, like, just kind of hovering there. And then all of a sudden it just went really fast and disappeared. Like, I'm talking, like, hella fast. I don't, I don't know anything about air miles per hour, whatever you want to call it. I don't know anything about that, but it just disappeared. And we both looked at each other. We were like, what the hell was, what the hell? And then, but what was, was weird is that we both hadn't acknowledged that we were both looking at this thing. Cause we're both listening to music, driving on the highway. Mm-hmm. And, but both of our eyes, it was so, it was so big and just like, what the hell is that type of thing? We both had looked at it and subconsciously we're doing the same thing. Excuse me. As soon as it disappeared, that was it. We were like, what the hell? This is really strange. So, yes and no. Still a hopeful skeptic, but that was something I can't explain. And um, the only thing that somebody was like, oh, I bet you it was just uh, some kind of aircraft, because it is towards that area. 
you know, there is an airport in that area, two of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, If something would have been in the air and the sun was catching the craft uh, reflection or something, and it turned and went away. But, I mean, we looked for the next 15 minutes and never saw anything that resembled any kind of aircraft in the sky for that. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. Ah, but you got a taste, huh? You got a little taste of the paranormal. A little taste, a little, little tease. Oh, Thanks for the question, still, Curtis. Uh, s- still a little scully, but uh, you're getting closer to being a mole. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. only like one or two pencils in the ceiling. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Hell yeah. So question number uh, two from Curtis is best haunted trip slash tour you've ever taken? Because I'm pretty sure our cruise this summer is going to get canceled no. and I might need a backup plan. Newsflash, Curtis. Yes, it's fucking canceled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if it's not, I wouldn't lick any doorknobs. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really unfortunate, man. Uh, cruises are really fun. And unfortunately, that industry is taking a, a massive hit and a lot of planes are changing for a lot of people. Yeah. But... uh just wait until that that industry's back up and running, man, because you're gonna get some killer deals. Oh, for but sure, man. Back and to the also, question. Check go your uh, check your deposits. Check your offers. Um, Shayla yeah. and I were supposed to go on another cruise, uh, 2021, with uh, my in laws, and I think our money that has been spent thus far has been extended out to like 2023, maybe. Yeah. Because everybody is expecting 2022 to be when everything opens back up, and it could be it could be longer, unfortunately. So yeah. So we'll see uh, see yeah. how that goes. Yeah. Back to the question at hand: best haunted tour, trip tour I've been to the Crescent. I've been to the Stanley. Never got to do the tours, unfortunately. But I've heard from Preston that's done them, and um, from me somebody else. Yeah, yeah, you did. No, you did it, but there was somebody else too. Yeah, okay. So I did, yeah, it's like, damn. Both of you, somebody else. Anyways, but I did do one in New Orleans. That was awesome. That's the only one I've ever done. Yeah. Uh, we did like a ghost tour type thing. It was really gimmicky. It was really cool and kind of, you know, just it was basically more of just like the history of New Orleans and the French Quarter and shit like that. But we did go by. Um, the big house, the Kathy Bates character in the Oh, coven. yeah, Marie Laveau. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We went by, like, her house, mansion, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Uh, and, like, it's been, you know, kind of restored. But, like, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool to be where that's at, even though she did some terrible fucking shit. Um, so that was the only one that I went on. But the coolest part about that whole trip, oh, that's what it was. It was a ghost trip tour. And, of course... It involved the bars, and it was like, come here, you'll go to the most haunted bar. And the haunted bar is nothing more than a gimmick. <laughs> the bartender complete... says, look at all the spirits I have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, dad joke. Uh, so in this bar, uh, it's a blackout bar. You literally walk in, it's completely dark, nothing. Hmm. You can, They tell you don't bring out your phones, nothing, it's completely dark. The only people that have stuff on are the, are the waitresses and the bouncers. They have these little like, glow bands on, and then they're wearing like a... There's like goggles so they can see. It's really weird. Um, and I was like, nah, I don't drink. Fuck this. Because in my <laughs> eyes, I'm like, dude, flashlight. I knew in my little greasy, skeezy brain that if I turned on my flashlight for a split second, A, they wouldn't know who did it. And I would look on the ground and show enough. Did it. Look down. Money all on the ground. I took one hand. Boom. 
walked out. Scooped it up, huh? Oh, that's Scooped funny. it up. Walked out with like eighty nine dollars. It was Jeez, awesome. Really? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the whole gimmick of that bar. And I walked out and uh, they were like, oh, I, I, I can't believe you didn't get caught. And then they were like, what? And I was like, what? And they're like, oh, people try that all the time. And the, and the host was saying this. People try it all the time and they get caught and they tell them to throw it back on the ground. I'm like, shit, mine now. Mm-hmm. And they were like laughing about it. They were, and they were telling us that's the gimmick of the bar. People will go into the bar thinking, it's, oh, it's a great time. You go in there, order drinks. The waitress comes in and shows the, wrist, the wristband. They say, oh, how much is it? They pull it out. They say to the bar, they say to the bartender, "Oh, it's uh, your totals this, this, this." They hand them what they think it is, and they might hand them a fifty, and the the bartender will be like, or the waitress will be like, "Yeah, it's a fifty. and it'll be like a twenty, or oh, I mean, it it'll yeah, it'll be yeah. a fifty, but they only owed them a twenty, whatever. Yeah, and then uh, and then uh, people just trying to scuffle through their pants, drunk, throw it on the floor, and then they just mop, they clean it up at the end of the day, dry out the bills. Wow, every day, every day. Yep. I mean, not right now, but, (laughs) but yeah, so that was all part of the haunted trip tour. So that was, that was a fun time. I'd like to do more, but usually when I go with groups of people, they're not really into that thing. So I would love to do the Sally house with Preston and Sean and John and Leslie. I think that'd be rad. Oh yeah, I would do. Um, I would say if you want just a kind of a fun weekend, like a long weekend, um, hit up Eureka Springs. Check out the Crescent Hotel and also the sister hotel down in the middle of the downtown called the Basin. Um, they have, they both had, hopefully they still have right now during COVID, or at least when you go, uh, really fun tours about the history of both buildings. Um, the Basin's kind of cool because they can take you downstairs where they did like a lot of uh, illegal gambling. Um, I believe there were whiskey stills there at the Basin. It's a lot of speakeasies, fun. speakeasies, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it's a small town. As long as most of it's up and running, it's a lot of fun. I wouldn't want to stay there yeah. more than probably three days, three nights, maybe. Yeah. Uh, summer, summer is a great time to go. Do not go right now. I went, uh, literally was just in my memories on Facebook, um, oh no. going there, yeah. going there during the holiday season. Now, while it is very beautiful up in the mountains and the woods up there, it is also every, everything's closed. Because they're a seasonal town, even yeah. more so with COVID. Oh, my gosh. I can only imagine. Yeah. So the shops were extremely limited. But had the shops been open, it would have been a way better time. A whole different thing. Yeah. Because when Shayla yeah. and I went the first time, it was for my birthday, the very end of January, the first weekend. Like, it's like the first weekend of February. And half the stuff was open back up, but still a lot of it was still closed. And our um, the bellhop that helped us up to our room told us like, oh, you should have waited like two more weeks because during the week of Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday and all that, he's like, Eureka Springs opens back up and we we literally will double or triple in population because when Hurricane Katrina first hit and you had so many displaced people from, you know, Louisiana, Mississippi and all that, a lot of people fled to Arkansas. And then while they were there, they're like, fuck it, let's make the best out of this. All these people are from Louisiana. Let's just have a giant makeshift Mardi Gras. And so now every year, again, except for, I don't know about COVID now, they would have just a huge, like, weekend-long blowout, parades, yeah. parties. They do a lot of weird shit like that, like big yeah. Mardi Gras festivals, big, the uh, the once a year they do, like, a big biker thing. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just a really unique, unique area because mm-hmm. it's, like, um, Curtis, I don't know what you're, how, if you're more liberal, conservative, whatever, it's none of my business, but there's a really good mix 
of people there and everybody there is really respectful. I've noticed that. That's because what I noticed too. Yeah. Tourism is their is their main source of income, but even mm-hmm. the locals that live there um they just all had a lot of good respect and I, i'm a real big in antique shops so i went to like every single one of them there and they're usually owned by older people and they're just so nice yep they 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 really respect younger people going there and showing interest and stuff like that so <laughs> we went to a coffee shop and we walked in there and like <laughs> the couple that ran it were you know, you know older uh maybe hippies and this old timer walks in there who looks like something like willie nelson and he hobbles in and sits down. He had to be every bit of 85 years old and gets his coffee poured. And as soon as they set the coffee down next to him, he kind of taps the bar and then old hippie guy reaches underneath and pulls out a bottle like bourbon or something and, you know, gives him a couple <laughs> shots worth into his coffee. And they both nod at each other, put the bottle away. And I said, Oh, was that the special kind of creamer? And then the guy working the bar or working the coffee shops, like, I don't know what the hell you talking about. And then the old timer leaned over. He's like, yeah, boy, you got to order a couple more coffees before you get the good stuff. And it was basically <laughs> like if you've been there long enough, you knew the secret. and You got a free tug off of the old bottle in your coffee. And then that's legit. we went back because we went like two or three times while we were there. And like the day we were leaving. Did you earn that? Yeah, the day <laughs> we were you? leaving, uh, we walked in there and old guy looks at me. Looks down below the bar and gives me a wink and goes, uh? And I was like, ah, oh, man, I'm driving. I'm getting ready to drive back to Kansas. He's like, ah, oh, too bad. I would have I would have given you a little tug. A little tug. <laughs> like it's Arkansas, dude. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And I trust me, you don't even want to be remotely buzzed driving down those fucking corkscrew roads. Oh, no, not at all. And also, like, that's all that's there is liquor stores. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Preston, what do you think, man? Where would you recommend going? Definitely the uh, the Stanley. So, do you have a mouthful of fucking like vape the... right now? I did. <laughs> I can tell. No, definitely. Um, you know, going to both both the Eureka Springs um, from an, like an arts kind of artistic standpoint. Yeah. I love Eureka Springs just because of the atmosphere, all the different shops. But then um, the Stanley is a completely different vibe. Um, you know, the, the tours are all kind of generic, like you're going to get a ghost tour, you're going to talk about the history. Um, so those don't really change from hotel to hotel. But as far as like, you know, going to a haunted hotel and having an experience, like the Stanley was the only one that gave me that one. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we talked about the Stanley, I talked about being on the fourth floor and at like 2 a.m., um, you know, hearing somebody rattle the door and then a child voice say, daddy, daddy. Mm. And then when Jeffrey and I woke up and opened the door, there was nobody in the hallway. Um, so if you're wanting like a, a very, a good chance of having an authentic haunting experience at a hotel, definitely the Stanley. Yeah. If you just want a really good, like artistic vibe, you know, weekend, um, you know, Eureka Springs. So, but they yeah. also have the really good shopping center in SS Park with Stanley's at too. And oh, a really yeah, good, beautiful a, uh, scenery with that big old creek that runs along the sides of the shops. Yeah. That's so oh, yeah. tight. And they have like a they, they have a, like a whiskey brewery there. Yeah, and, I saw uh, that. We went there, and she was like, "Free samples." And she's like, "What do you want to try?" I'm like, "I don't know. Can I try them all?" And she's like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> so she lined up like <laughs> rock and roll, you know, fourteen different. 
14 different shots and then she was like giving me the history lesson and the notes on all the different whiskeys and then by the sixth one i'm like uh-huh uh yeah. can i just get a can i get a bottle of this i don't one? know i i honestly i think i think i would go for the stanley to estes park just because you're getting the whole package man yeah. you're getting you're getting the view you're getting the awesome haunted stuff then you could potentially experience something and all the shopping but for yeah. me it was the view I mean, I literally, I'm not really big into shopping, so my thing that I did there, I literally went to the back of this, like, these shops where this creek runs through and just listen to the water and look at the sights. I literally sat there for like an hour and a half and it was so peaceful. That's cool, man. Hell yeah. There's only so many cowboy hats and (laughs) polo polo ties (laughs) I can look at before I got to sit there and look at some fucking water run. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and you're close to downtown Boulder as well, which I heard is a lot of fun too. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. All right, and then the uh, last question by uh, Curtis is: Do you think we'll ever get full disclosure in our lifetime? Hmm. I'll go first. No. Yeah, go for it. No, I just don't think I don't think we're good enough to get it. I don't think that it, like uh, I I look at my life expectancy like you know in the grand scheme of things not too much longer you know uh-huh. what I mean like we're not gonna be here for the next seventy five eighty years so like do we gonna know before then nah ah uh, okay I don't know that's just that's just my that's just my opinion I what about think, you guys I think the opposite end of the spectrum I think we will probably see. I mean, I think we're in a soft disclosure right now. I mean, you've already yeah. got different sects of the uh, different sectors of the government coming out and saying we've seen things we can't explain. We've recovered crafts that are not of this world. Um, all we're waiting for is that fateful day where they say, "Oh yeah, also we've been we in contact with tr- with beings from other galaxies, yeah. planets, whatever." And that's what the full disclosure to me would be, and I don't think they'll ever do that. Uh, I think we have a lot, a bigger chance of just a fucking ship showing up. Yeah, well, and I mean, full disclosure. Maybe not showing up and, like, landing here. I'm talking about, like, to me, what do you, okay, let me piggyback off Curtis's question. Would it trip you out more if you saw a ship or a planet appear out of nowhere and you could see it from the sky, from your house? Or... A ship is appearing somewhere and it lands in Madagascar in a field and then people get to talk to him with no cameras. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a satellite image because it would take time for cameras to get there. What would trip you out more? Neither. Neither oh, really? would trip Neither? you out. Yeah. No. A cock called bullshit on that. <laughs> you walk outside, <laughs> no, you look I... up and there's a fucking space station or a moon that is no moon uh you know like a death star up there or some borg looking cube or just some big massive ship saucer yeah like no preston i'll tell you i'll tell you why and it's because with um you know everything that i that i've delved into in the paranormal like aliens and ufos and you know just like Earth's total history, you know, ancient aliens and things like that. I knew it. That, I fucking knew it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm i on board 100% that I truly believe um, in aliens over some of the other topics that we cover. Yeah. So for me, having something like that show up is not going to be like life 
like almost oh my god like what the fuck am i gonna do now like i'd be like oh yeah i fucking knew it man i told you guys well yeah i so mean it, it wouldn't freak you out though it, it no because it'd be more confirming for me like this whole entire time like all the shit that i've read all the shit that i've studied like it's more about confirmation yeah. for me mm-hmm. But then at the same time, like Sean said, like we've already had all this soft disclosure that, you know, there, there's been in the government this perception that like the mass society can't handle this maybe, topic. Yeah, maybe you, they're, maybe they're softening it. They're like <laughs> doing this and, a strategic and I, and method, I, and, method. And I think that they are. So if you look in like <laughs> the last five years, the last six years with everything politically that's happened in the United States and then worldwide, like all of a sudden you're starting to get these newspaper articles. You're starting to get like these generals and people from the Pentagon that are being interviewed. And, you know, this is kind of like a rabbit hole conspiracy theory, but you know, within the last like two or three years, when we talked about space force, like how many of us joked and made fun of the whole space force thing. But then if you think about it, that could be a hint of a soft disclosure. Like why now, like why all of a sudden, like, are we creating a space force if the government doesn't have a plan for it? Like, there's not something behind that. Yeah, and, like, and that, yeah, you're right. And it makes sense because just the, mass, the other day the, it was like the number one, the first year of the anniversary of space force. The fucking right. done because <laughs> the mass population of people think it's a fucking joke. Like, yeah. it's hilarious. Like, oh my god, like we're gonna have space marines. Like, why the fuck do we need space marines? Well, that's because, you know, the government can sneak in and be like, well, nobody's going to take it fucking serious. Let's go ahead and build this up and make it a thing so that we can be prepared because we know what's coming. Yeah. So I, I think kind of like the how disc- they put like little things into a 5000 page document and get people two hours to read it. That type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So you look at they keep giving us these little tidbits, these little hints, because they're just kind of softening that blow because then they're Dude, normalizing right. it. Because- because the more people read about in the you know the New York Times that a government official said UFOs are real, that when they do full disclosure, like nobody's gonna give a shit anymore. Like, dude, we've known about this for fucking years. Sean, hmm? Preston's bringing the heat tonight. Preston, you deserve a vape. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me mute my mic. Hold yeah. on. And I think Sean, I think the, the thing about disclosure too, and, and admitting that we do have contact, and there are aliens from other dimensions or planets or whatever. What does that do to religion, too? You yeah. Know, that, I, I, I've referenced it before. Um, there's, a, there's a Dave Matthews band called, uh, a Dave Matthews band song called, um, oh God, Time Bomb, I think it was. And he has a line in there that says, if Martians fell from the sky, what would that do to God? And it's a really good question because if we just happen to have aliens show up, like that really begs the question, did, did God. Uh, did he create these aliens as well, or is he maybe just God of our universe and yeah. other universes have another deity? And then that harkens back to the, you know, the, um, Greek mythology of having several different types of gods. And that's just a conversation we yeah. probably shouldn't have because we're not smart shouldn't enough. Have. And, and it's a hard <laughs> one to have because we don't know every sure. religion and we don't know what their beliefs are in that, in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always find it interesting when I talk to people from from different faith backgrounds of what they think about aliens. Mm. That would be an interesting topic to discuss, but it's it is hard. Okay, well then we'll just jump right in from there into Isaac's first question. Then Isaac wants to know: Do you believe in aliens? If yes, what school of thought are you? That they are actual physical entities from another planet, or are they a psychic phenomenon from another dimension, or both? 
Preston, start things off. What are aliens to you? So explain um, it to me like I'm know, five. I, yeah, I answer, I kind of <laughs> explain answered it to that me like I'm the, three. <laughs> yeah, so I answered that in the last question. Uh, you know, out of all the topics that we covered, uh, like wholeheartedly, yes. I believe in aliens, but I think they're a little bit of column A and I think they're a little bit of column B Mm -hmm. because as we're progressing in our scientific knowledge, you know, you look at every single star that's in the nighttime sky, Mm -hmm. even in the Milky Way galaxy, that's an actual sun. And on the average, that sun has five to six planets, you know, circling around it. So to think that even in our own Milky Way galaxy, that's billions of stars, that we're the only form of intelligent life, that's naive. Um, and just the vastness of outer space itself. So you got to think of how many galaxies that have billions and jillions of stars mm-hmm. in it, that each one of those has five to six planets going around it. That Men in black told that, that. Yeah, that <laughs> right. infinite number like that possibility, yes, there is intelligent life out there. Now, you know, you look at chaos theory and, you know, the idea of chaos theory is that each civilization over, you know, its course of its lifespan eventually destroys itself. Like you get so advanced that everything just collapses. And the fact that the, you know, the universe is trillions of years old, there have already could have been thousands of civilizations that have come and gone mm-hmm. um, that are just out there waiting for us just to discover, you know, the ruins of their civilization. Like, you know, we're going to be, you know, space archaeologists instead of space explorers because we're going to go to these other planets and we're going to find evidence of these, you know, advanced civilizations. But they've already come, you know, come and gone. Um, so for me... Yes, I be- I believe that there are other life forms out there, and there's still the possibility that there's advanced life forms that have the ability to travel to us, to communicate with us. And then on the flip side, if you you look at you know multiple dimensions, the string theory, um, you know multiple universes, bubble universes. So the idea that you also have aliens that are interdimensional that are on a- another plane of existence that Fringe. are coming coming to us and back and forth like i think both are viable like it could be a little bit of column a it could be a little bit of column b (laughs) yeah steve what do you think man preston nailed it once again i don't even know why i'm on the show tonight because he's fucking killing (laughs) it uh 100 believe in aliens Mm -hmm. Uh, it's the only (laughs) same thing with preston it's the it's the main thing that draws me to paranormal it's the one thing I fully believe in. Uh, have I seen one? Don't think so. Maybe that craft, like I said earlier. But like I think the same thing. We're in our solar system, and I think space is, is phenomenal. Uh, anytime I see a picture of the sun and I see a planet pass by it, like a, the, the picture of that, it blows my mind mm-hmm. how huge that thing is. And then I think about, oh, my God, that's just our sun. <laughs> like Right, right. And then I think to myself out of all the universe we're the we're the only living intelligent creatures Mm -hmm. we're the one petri dish that work this 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 is it wow Mm -hmm. you know that that type of thing like no i don't i don't want to believe that we're we're garbage right (laughs) (laughs) i don't know like uh chaos theory like you said yeah (laughs) we're destroying ourselves but like i don't know i just uh, but definitely a mixture of both. I think of like physical entities, you know, your grades, shit like that. 
Um, I don't really want to believe in the insectoids. I think they're kind of creepy, but <laughs> I think the idea of it's just creepy and silly. But uh, I think that when I think of like psychic phenomenon, I think of, <laughs> or in another dimension, I think of uh, that f- in Rick and Morty, that floaty bubble that sings from the Concord guy. <laughs> Fly the Concord's guy. He sings all the time. He's like a fart bubble or something. Yeah. yeah. That type of alien would be funny. Um, But definitely like your traditional, you know, gray thing. Flesh and blood alien. Yeah. And I, yeah, 100%. Well, uh, Steve, there's going to be a point in this episode where we're going to touch tips because there's a a question that somebody had asked us. um, And I think you and I are going to line up 100% with the same answer. Tips of the touch. Huh. Yep. Some would argue you've been touching tips this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, Isaac, congratulations on finally watching The X-Files. It's his first go-around. Um, oh, he nice. just started it, so that's what's fun about that show, too, is the way they incorporate Ugh, aliens into it's it. So, so goddamn good. So I, It's pretty much the one story that goes through the entire yeah, 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 yeah. series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I explained almost makes me want to start it over again myself. Yeah. I straddle a weird fence about aliens because on one hand, I want to believe that these things are flesh and blood, you know, quote unquote, solid physical beings. But then there's like this weird hierarchy. There's like the insectoids and the tall, you know, super hot Nordic blondes. And then you have the greys and the greys themselves, you know, your classic, oh, they came to my bedroom and took me away and did, you know, surgeries on me and stuff like that. It's argued or it's it's theorized that these things are not actual living creatures, but they're some kind of weird recycled bioengineered robots. And playing the very first game called Prey, there's some really gnarly shit where they're like taking and basically throwing human body parts into meat grinders. Oh, and they're yeah, grinding yeah, up the these body parts. Yeah, the very first scene of that game. Jeez. Yeah. And the thought is that these gray aliens are... These they're things, they're automatons that are built half out of you know robot parts and half out of recycled organism uh, tissue stuff like that, recycled you know organisms and bioorganic tissue and stuff like that. And they're drones, they're mindless, emotionless drones. And that's why when people claim to have been abducted by aliens, they say the initial encounter is with these weird you know, orangish gray creatures, giant black oily eyes, and they're void of all emotion. Their job is to get you, bring you in, cut you open, do all this stuff. And no matter how hard you plead or cry or beg, they just don't respond. They are there to do a job. They're like little drones, little worker ants. And then when the next type of creature comes in, whether it be like the humanoids or the insectoids or whatever, the second line of encounters usually is more oh, we're so sorry, and, you know, love and peace and all this shit. Um, Mm. But then the other thought, Steve, is like you said a minute ago, you said, blah, 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 hard to believe that we're the only ones that are alive in this galaxy because humans are shit. The other thought process kind of leans more towards that interdimensional psychic phenomenon in a way. Uh, Some people believe that aliens are actually us, that... We get to a point in civilization where we rocket forward and we discover time travel or interstellar travel and all this stuff. And we go forward and 
let's just say here, for instance, we inhabit Mars. We get to Mars and we're like, oh shit, we're not capable. We're not actually built to live on Mars. So we quickly start splicing our own DNA and doing all these experiments. And then we have to leave Mars and go to a different planet. Or we don't even ever go to Mars. We just live on a rocket ship. And over several years of evolution, you find out that, well, your body doesn't have to be 180 pounds of solid muscle or 300 pounds of whatever. There's no gravity in space. So over time, our bodies begin to get thinner and thinner and thinner and more frail. And you don't have to have muscle mass because there is no gravity in space. Because space is so dark and such a void, your eyes then, you lose that white sclera and your pupils dilate and dilate and dilate mm. until you have these giant oversized black you know, apertures that are able to see in the blackness of space. Um, we figured out a way that we don't have to eat anymore. So our mouths are almost non-existent. They're just little tiny, um, you know, slits. We don't have to hear anymore because we're so advanced that now we communicate telepathically. And basically these little creatures we're seeing, these monsters, essentially are us so far into the future where we basically got to a point where we totally just butt-fucked ourselves into extinction, and then we are coming back to Earth, visiting, trying to stop that extinction from happening again. And that's why they're supposed to be harvesting, you know, human tissue and embryos and sperm and doing all these experiments because they're trying to basically backwards engineer themselves closer to back what they used to be. Damn, that's let me, crazy. Let me take my tinfoil yeah. hat off now. <laughs> um, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. what you're saying. So this uh this will resonate with steve because of horror movies so event horizon the movie event horizon movie. right that they create a essentially like a warp drive but they figured out that to be able to space travel because you can't actually travel faster than the speed of light mm -hmm. that they open a wormhole so that you fold time and space, you go through the wormhole, and when space readjusts itself, mm -hmm. you're at the other point that you wanted to go to. But in reality, what they opened was a dimensional gate, and they opened up a dimension to, you know, like a physical hell. There was a, a guy that has written, written several books over the last uh, decade about his interaction with aliens, but they come from Venus. So if we think about, you know, we've sent probes to Venus and we know Venus is very inhospitable. You know, it's got, uh, you know, acid rain. Uh, it's got carbon, you know, dioxide out the ass like nobody can breathe on it. But he was told that these aliens come from a different reality. So in their reality, um, Earth is like a shit zone, but Venus is like very lush and very green. So maybe, you know, part of the aliens that we're seeing aren't in galaxy, you know, physical beings like, you know, we're never going to be able to master travel to another planet outside of our solar system because we can't travel past the speed of light. But what we discover is the technology to dimensionally travel and the alien uh, species that we're going to encounter are going to be species from different dimensions. There you go. Yeah. And Isaac, also, if you really want a simple explanation, watch the um, Matthew McConaughey film Interstellar. Because I still say Interstellar, beyond being a great film, is one of the best propaganda films of all time. Because that movie was supposed to be built off of legitimate science theory and some science fact. And it's got a little bit of a twist in it, which kind of maybe explains uh, sort of what aliens could be without... That's not even a spoiler, that's just an idea. 
Um, yeah, watch Interstellar. That might give you a yeah, whole that's new a great, great movie. Man. Yeah, yeah, a whole new perspective. Hell of a movie. Yeah, really, Hell of a movie. really solid man. I still say Interstellar and Wally, two of the greatest modern propaganda films of all time. <laughs> okay, cool. Sweet. Next well, one. Yeah, Ryan. Ryan wrote it. Yeah, or yeah, our good buddy uh, Ryan. Uh, messaged me and said have you guys had a paranormal experience what kind of experience was it um do you want to go first sean or do you want me to yeah i'll knock mine out um so i mentioned earlier the apartment in el dorado apartment 112 um i'll kind of breeze through it because i've told it a couple times but there's new people listening that probably haven't gone through the backlog yet shayla and i lived in el dorado kansas in an apartment in apartment number 112 112 is interesting because it was on the far end. It was an, uh, an end unit, meaning we didn't have neighbors on both sides. We were on the very end of the building. So we only had neighbors to one side of us directly in the top, and then one neighbor below us and one neighbor catty corner. So we were the upstairs, the second floor apartment. All sorts of weird things happened in that apartment. Now, I say we had neighbors. Nobody lived, nobody lived below us for a little while. Nobody lived catty corner below us for a little while, and nobody lived beside us for a little while. Now, in the three years we lived there, of course, we did get neighbors. They kind of came and kind of went. But every night, no matter if we had neighbors or no neighbors, around 10 o'clock, you could smell stinky cigar smoke in our bathroom. And I don't know if it's just the smell of somebody's air conditioner vent wafting into ours, but you could smell the very strong, stinky smell of, like, just some nasty, dirty stogies. Um, we had a couple move in below us. They were actually um, a guy and his aunt, but they were both the same age. They were, like, in their early 20s. Um, they were super cool. He was on the football team. She was God knows what. Anyway, we were going to the movies one day, walked downstairs, and as we walked out of our front door, their door is perpendicular to ours, and we literally ran into Jessica. And she's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, holy shit, you guys got to come inside. We're like, what are you doing? She says, oh, my God, we're, we're using a Ouija board, and that shit's real. And we look in their apartment, and there's, you know, beer cans strewn everywhere and candles lit and a Ouija board. And I've seen enough movies to know, nope. fuck that. Uh, we're like, oh, no, 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 sorry. We've got a movie to go to. We better get going. She's like, well, when you get back, you should come inside and use the Ouija board. We'll still be using it by the time we get back. Shortly after Jessica and Garrett using their Ouija board and having their Ouija parties, some of the weirdest shit happened in that apartment. We had two cats, and these two cats would always be fixated in the top, like, right-hand corner of the room, which basically would be the top right-hand corner of the living room above the staircase, <clears throat> and they'd be obsessed with the closet in the living room. They'd paw at it. They'd try to put their hands underneath it. They'd sniff the door. They'd stare at the door. So fixed that you could be like, Pumpkin, um, Peach, what are you doing? And like, they wouldn't look at you. They would just move their ear like a little bit to be like, yeah, I hear you. Um, we had a closet in our bedroom that had a door handle you had to actually like slam down and then open up like a latch. Um, one night I woke up in the middle of the night and something was hitting that handle, that door latch. And finally, after it moving up and down a few times, it slammed down and the closet door opened up. And I had about just enough time to be like, what the fuck? The closet light turned on. And I literally blacked out from being just fucking scared as shit. 
I remember, though, both cats were sitting about two or three feet away from the door watching this door handle, and I actually put my glasses on and looked and saw the door handle moving on its own. From that point on, for the next year and a half, two years, I would go to sleep, the light would be off in the closet, the door would be shut, I'd wake up, the door would be open, light would be turned on. There were mornings when I had to be at work at five in the morning, so I would get up at like four, closets off, closet door shut, I would take a shower, which the bed, the bathroom is attached to the bedroom. I would go in there and take a shower, come out, closet lights on, doors open. It was the weirdest thing. I can't explain what was causing it to happen. I could explain why the door would come open, sure, whatever. I can't explain why the door, uh, why the closet light would turn on. It's just beyond me. And then there was one period where I was heading off to work. I would, same routine every morning, wake up, take a shower, get dressed, walk in there and tell Shayla, hey, I'm going to work. And I'd walk down the stairs and I'd leave. And this one time I remember walking through the house, grabbing my keys. I go to walk down the stairs and I hear, have a good day, Sean. And I'm like, huh? Like just my natural reaction is to be like, huh? Because I thought Shayla said something. And I can still hear her snoring. And through her snoring, I hear, have a good day. But it's like two or three like disembodied voices. Now, being the man that I am and not wanting anything to happen to my brand new bride, I ran down the stairs, slammed the door behind me, and peeled rubber and left her there <laughs> with the ghosts. <laughs> um, she, she had that feeling of being watched. She would hear things. She had experienced the door to be open like... Normally, she'd call me in the morning when she woke up before she had to get up and get around. So about 7 o'clock every morning, she'd call me, and I'd step off in the back of the you know storage room or whatever and answer the phone. And there were times when like we'd be on the phone in mid-conversation, and I could hear the handle jiggle, slam down, and the door open while she's on the phone with me. Like She would watch this stuff happen, and the closet door would open up while she's looking at it. So we don't know what the hell that was. It's super bizarre. I can explain why a door would open on its own. That's fine you know, shrinking and expanding of, you know, door frames and foundations and all that kind of shit. I can't explain what caused the door handle to physically in front of us rattle up and down and slam down in some cases to open up that door. I don't know. And then one time I saw a full body apparition walk uh, down the hallway and cross in front of the bathroom doors. I was getting out of the shower. So that was pretty creepy too. But Preston, what do you got, man? So, um, you know, over the course of uh, the history of the show, we've talked about like our different shadow person Mm -hmm. encounters. Um, So I don't want to like rehash all that um, because that would be kind of like my number one paranormal experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But then later on in life, you know, I started ghost hunting. Um, Very amateur ghost hunter, so I don't claim to be an expert. But, uh, you know, I had a couple experiences with that that really um, stood out. And I had an, uh, an associate that um, had lost her husband and we were really good friends. And so she, you know, had kn- known that I was dipping my hands into ghost hunting. So she asked me to go to the cemetery and we got some really good results with, uh, you know, EVPs. And that helped bring her some closure and um at the time i was working at a store and there was another associate that i barely knew um but she had lost her husband in a horrible car accident 
And it was one of those things where it was kind of in the back of my mind where I just kind of had this, this voice saying like, reach out to her, you know, go talk to her. So I didn't know her that well. So I reached out to my associate and like, Hey, what do you think about me? Maybe like, you know, doing an EVP session for her. And she was like, Oh my God, that'd be phenomenal. Um, let me talk to her. And within like a day or two, she had messaged me and said, Hey, this is where my husband is buried. Um, I'm not expecting much, but could you at least try for me? I'm like, you know, I'm not going to hold it against you if you don't get anything. And that cemetery that he was buried at was really close to my house at the time. And so at night I would jog down there and we, you know, I did a couple EVP sessions and, um, you know, I'd ask his name, um, and like, you know, is there anything that you want to tell your wife? Is there any messages you want me to pass along? And the first couple sessions, I didn't get anything, but then on my last session that I did, I got a, a really good EVP and it said, um, you know, tell his wife's name, um, please forgive Steven. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, that's that's really specific. And, um, y you know, like when you go into this thing, like, fuck, I don't know that I'm getting like a real ghost voice and I don't know like if it has anything to do with this person. So it's like I pass this along and then it has nothing to do. Like, am I am I causing this person more emotional harm than I am doing good? So I wrestled with that. And so finally, I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to send it to her. And, um, it was crickets for like a couple days. I'm like, Oh fuck, I just made the situation worse. And then finally I get a Facebook message from her and she said, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, because Steven was the other person that jumped the highway. Um, he, you know, had like a seizure and blacked out and that's the car that slammed into my husband and killed him. And I've been struggling with, you know, why did this person live and my husband died? And so to hear Whoa. that that voice say, please forgive Stephen, um, has really helped me move on. And then that's it. I never heard from her ever again. But uh, wow. that kind of validate that validated for me the whole EVP experience that wow, some of the stuff crazy. that I was that I was getting um, has some clout to it. So that would be my, uh, paranormal experience story that I would share. Uh, -huh. it's pretty legit, man. Uh, Steve question was, have you had a paranormal experience? If so, what was it? Um, what about you? No. Do you have anything? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Steven nope. Still is still this day. <laughs> Steve's still um, waiting to get his sherry pop. There you go. Yeah. So. Steve saw UFO once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So John wrote, my question would be for each of you to tell us what first got you interested in the paranormal. Steve, what got you into paranormal? Aliens, man. Watching movies as a kid, watching scary, creepy alien movies. That was it for me. I didn't really get one, on. Huh? Movies have always been my main thing, so um, I didn't really get into, like, I, I liked movies that had to do with ghosts and stuff, but it was always aliens one that creeped me out the most, but had me the most interested. Mm -hmm. I could like, if I watched a ghost movie, I wasn't like chomping at the bit for the next one. Mm -hmm. An alien movie always. <laughs> so, uh, unsolved mysteries. That was your jam. Then. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Okay. Shit, man. Yep. Hell yeah. Perfect. Love it. Perfect. Um, for me, I had one particular instance at my grandma's house. Um, it was at my grandma's house in Rosalia, Kansas. 
I know, I'll preface this by saying, I know what I saw was not real. It was just my imagination. But I had to have been, oh God, five or six. And we were at grandma's house. She lived in a single story house and she had a storm cellar, which for those of you that don't know what a storm cellar is here in Kansas, it is a giant square pit dug in the ground and then the walls are put up and then there's a giant cement lid put on top of it with a door. You walk out, you open up this door and then you walk down the stairs and you're in your storm cellar. It is because Kansas is in the middle of Tornado Alley. Uh, we're at Grandma's house. A storm hit bad enough in the middle of the country that these storm sirens go off. We're watching the news. This is way before cell phones and all that kind of stuff. And they're saying a tornado's coming. Storm, lightning, thunder, boom, boom, boom. Power's flickering. And like we're running through Grandma's house from the front of the house to the back of the house where the storm cellar is. Power went out. And as I'm running, I happen to look into her second bedroom, the spare bedroom, right as lightning flashes. And in my head, I swear to God, I saw a skeleton standing in that room looking at a photo on a table. And as I mm. ran by and saw the skeleton, right as I ran by, he looked up from the photo and looked at me and smiled. Like he opened up his fucking bony mouth. And like almost laugh, smiled at me. <laughs> I screamed bloody murder like somebody just cut my leg off. I fell down in the doorway of the room and was just screaming. I remember mom turns around, she runs in, she picks me up, and she's like, "What's the matter? What's the matter? What's the matter?" And I couldn't even, I couldn't even talk. I was so petrified Weird. by this skeleton I saw, and I know, I know it was all imagination. Um, she thought I was just scared of the storm, ran downstairs. I cried for a while, and then I was fine. But that's what really first struck me as like, holy shit, there's something more to this world than just cats and dogs and, you know, families and stuff like that. Like, there's shit in this world that might not be so friendly and so, you know, fun. And that uh, kind of springboarded everything for me, really. Nice. Preston, what about you? So uh, I'm going to have to give all the credit to my old man. If it weren't for him, I probably would never have gotten into the paranormal. So growing up as a little kid, um, you know, when we did the episode of the man who blew up Bigfoot. You know, I talked about <laughs> how when I was a when I was a when I was a kid, um, like basically how I spent my evenings was, you know, dad would be watching TV. And then I would use his fat belly as a pillow and I would watch TV with him. So we were always watching um, Unsolved Mysteries and, you know, the, the Bigfoot episodes always resonated with him. Like some of the other stuff that was on there, like he would say, like, oh, I don't know if I fully believe that, but, you know, Bigfoot, 100 fucking percent real. But as a kid, he would never really go into it. And then the X-Files came out. Mm hmm. And that was a show that we watched together. I remember him coming upstairs and knocking on my bedroom door. He's like, oh, there's this new show on Fox, and I think we should watch it together. And so we would always watch The X-Files together. And so with, with Dad, um, later on in life, like, you know, when I experienced other paranormal things, like, he was always the person that I felt like wouldn't judge me for it. So he'd be the guy that I could go and talk to. And he would give me a straight answer, like a different perspective, or he would just be that that guy that would just listen because he knew that I needed somebody just to listen to me. 
So it's just that experience with just him and growing up as a kid that really got me into it. And it's something we've kind of always, you know, shared with each other. So the old man, that's uh, that's who got me into the big John Wiener. Big John Wiener. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Leslie asked us, I know you've probably covered it before, but tell us about your first paranormal experiences. Who wants to go first? Steven. Um, I, I never really had one. <laughs> I've never really had a paranormal uh, paranormal experience. So, yeah, that's the bunk question for me. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Preston, what about you, man? Um, I think, like, the, the very first one that I can remember that uh, stood out to me was, uh, you know, my mom had uh, gone up to Emporia to um, help take care of my grandmother for the weekend. And so it was just me, my dad, and my brother in the house and um, at that time I was like maybe three, four. So I was crashing in the bed with dad and um, I, I woke up in the middle of the night and the room was like pitch black. So I couldn't even see like, you know, the silhouette of dad's body laying in the bed. Um, I had a hard time like making out like, you know, where the door frame was. And there was like this voice that says, you just, you got to get out of the house. You got to go, you got to run. And I got out of bed and I remember like, time was moving like really slow so like when i was walking like you you know like in movies when they do like the flashback scenes how like the the movement of the characters and everything is just like off a little bit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that's what it felt like when i was moving like everything was just off but there was this voice it's like it's okay you just gotta go you gotta go you gotta get out and then um, as I was making my way downstairs and kind of feeling around the walls and everything, um, I remember like all of a sudden, like the only thing that I could see in the blackness was the silhouette of the door. And then I got outside and, you know, time started to move even creepier. And that voice was like, you just got to go, you got to go. And then the next thing I'm at my neighbor's doorstep, which out in the country, you're like, you know, 500, 600, 800 feet away. And I'm, you know, all the way across the street. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there just in my, you know, whitey tighties knocking on their door. And it's like two or three in the morning. And they're like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Whoa. And I'm like, uh, I don't know where dad and Jason are. Um, you know, they're not in the house. And uh, mom's in Emporia and they might be in Augusta with grandma. <laughs> and so they're like trying to call, call my grandmother in Augusta, waking them up. And then, then, you know, like grandma's like, uh, nobody's here. Like what the fuck is going on? And then they finally got dad to wake up and then he came over, picked me up, carried me back across the street. And then I went to bed and then that, that was it. I woke up the next morning and I'm like, what's up guys? How was your what night? The fuck, and dad's dude? like, dad's like, uh, you fucking like, did you sleepwalk? And I'm like, uh, no, there's, there was like this nice voice of a lady and she was telling me. And dad's like, no, you slept walk. That's, that's what you did. You slept walk. Oh, and wow. I'm like, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. If anybody asks, this is what we're going to tell them. You slept walk. Yeah, you slept okay. walk. <laughs> um, Leslie, the first thing that I really remember sticking with me, um, I just recanted this um, on our last episode when I was talking to Samantha um, about her... Um, listener's story, but the thing that happened to me first that I first remember being at home, uh, my room's in the basement, and my brother's room was in the basement as well. We had, you know, conjoined rooms, and I remember still to this day the sound of 
in the middle of the night, my mom's feet walking down the back stairway. It was carpeted, and so she would wear flip-flops uh, sometimes. She didn't normally wear flip-flops when she'd come downstairs to check on us in the middle of the night, but I remember this one specific night, the sound of, like, clop, 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 clop of these flip-flops going down the stairs, walking across the tile, stopping at my bedroom for a few minutes. Now I'm awake, and I'm looking at the doorway to my bedroom that goes out to the, you know, the basement. There's nobody there. I can just see a pitch-black doorway. And then after a few moments... I hear the feet turn around and, you know, clop, 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 clop across the tile floor. And it's weird because Kevin and I's rooms were attached by a door in the middle between our rooms, but also we each had a door that went out to the basement. It went all the way around to his doorway, stopped, and then went back, clop, 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 and then back up the steps. Uh, and then the, the noise stopped. I don't understand if it was my mom, why she wouldn't have walked through my bedroom into my brother's room as opposed to walking all the way around to his door. But uh, yeah, that's the, that's the first thing I really remember happening. And I asked my mom and she's like, no, we, I didn't come check on you last night because I'm trying to, you know, check on you less and less as you boys are getting older. But yeah, I can't explain it. My mom says it wasn't her. I don't think Kevin remembers it happening, but yeah, something or somebody was going down those back stairs and checked on my brother and I that night. And my dad, it certainly wasn't my dad because he wouldn't have wore flip flops either. But well, guys, we still have plenty of questions left, but we're coming up on the two hour mark. We're going to do one more for this episode, take a break, and then we'll come back again next week for the New Year's Eve show and drop the rest of your guys' questions. Last question, Steve. Do you want to read this one? Yeah. Can. Excuse me. This comes from Amber. She says, hey, guys, I know you all are a bunch of film buffs, especially of the horror variety. So I thought I'd ask what movie made you the most paranoid after you watched it and why? Mm. So mine. There's a theme tonight. Aliens, boys <laughs> and girls and everybody in between. I know the one. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we're going to touch tips. Yeah, Steve. definitely fire in the sky. With a close runner-up to Dark Skies, but most definitely Fire in the Sky. There's nothing can top it. It came out at a, at a perfect time in my life since I was a child, and um, it's it still is very jarring to watch that one scene. Mm-hmm. And the story, the, it, it happened after a real-life case. It just creeps me out. And it's, But as far as like a film-wise, still to this day... The only movie that's made that's terrified me. Yep. The story of Travis Walton, the Travis Walton abduction from Snowflake, Arizona. Um, mm-hmm. Preston, what about you then? I'm going to assume this is what got you too. Yeah, that's uh, the same film and uh, pretty much for the same reasons. Like growing up as a kid, like I said, like we always watched X-Files together. We always watched um, Unsolved Mysteries. Um, Predator, Aliens, like, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of those scary movies I always watched with my dad and they, and they never really bothered me until we got to Fire in the Sky because that very first opening scene was that, you know, this is based off real life events. And I'm like, oh, holy shit. Like, we're watching a movie about aliens and then it's real. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the whole entire movie's playing out. I'm like, oh, it's no big deal. We get to the actual spaceship scene and there's like, you know, he falls into like a cocoon with a dead body in it. 
And then something in my adolescent brain kicked on like, holy shit, like if this is based off a true story and this is what alien abductions are really like, like I started, I started panicking and I'm like, oh my God, like I I don't want to meet aliens. I don't want to see aliens. Like, yeah, because when you watch it, when you watch something like Unsolved Mysteries and they'd have their alien episodes, that didn't scare me. It It didn't get me terrified. His voice was more intimidating than the (laughs) shitty reenactments. Or like when you're watching like aliens and you see the face huggers, like you know that it's fake. It's it's yeah. not real. So it doesn't resonate with you the same. But then but to see did. that opening scene where it's like this is based off true events and then you're like, Holy shit. Yeah. And everything up to that it, point in aliens and movies was all theatrical. Like yeah. you said, the face huggers and mm-hmm. this and that and spaced invaders and stuff like that. Like it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't scary to me. The thought of aliens and alien abductions was kind of terrifying, but like seeing it, the whole different realm. Oh yeah, whole different realm for sure. Well, the movie that you? scared me and made me the most paranoid might surprise you boys, but uh, if you've got room for one more, Fire in the Sky fucked me up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is, man. It's so good. Just it's, it's crazy. The guy that portrays uh, Travis Walton when he first kind of returns. Um, and again, we're spoiling a little bit, but you still need to watch this movie. If you guys haven't watched this movie before, you definitely need to get a hold of it. Uh, just seeing him when he first returns for the first time, like out outside and like, like a, was it like a rainstorm or something? Yeah, it was outside like raining the phone, phone booth. booth. It's just so visceral. And then the entire movie is such a buildup to that final scene where you actually get, you know, the payout basically. Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, you know, if you can't find the movie, don't want to acquire it, rent it, whatever, you could just Google or YouTube this, the abduction scene and the actual taken scene. They're both mm, really well done. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the buildup is pretty is is pretty good. Yeah, it's know. it's hard to uh, capture that suspense again in modern day movies because we want that payoff. We want that monster. Um, mm-hmm. But that movie just fucked me up so hard. And I watched it like, I don't remember the first time I saw it. The time that sticks with me the most is when I watched it like in the middle of an afternoon, in the middle of the summer, like two o'clock in the afternoon in my basement, all the lights are off in the basement. And I hit, you know, I watch it and I, I wanted to run out of that basement and run up those stairs as fast as I could. The minute he wakes up and like you said, falls into that, that corpse or whatever it was in that weird cocoon. And it was the only movie I can ever recall in my entire life of watching with my hand over my mouth, trying to cover my eyes, but also prying my fingers apart to look because I had to see what was going on, but being so like gut wrenchingly terrified. Oh, it just fucks me up. Um, now a yeah. runner up to that movie um, that fucked me up real bad was I think it was the Texas Chainsaw remake. Where uh, yeah. Leatherface is dragging, what's that? The fingernail. Yes, yeah. uh, Leatherface Fuck. is dragging this guy down the basement, and he's dragging his hands across the walls, and the camera mm. zooms in on his hand, and one of his fingernails gets ripped out, and yeah. that part made me just wretch so. When hard. they're going through with the camera footage, yeah, in the beginning of the movie, they show that. 
That's yeah. why they zoomed in on that, not only for the tension, but also to be like, oh, look, this was the, in the, the throwback because of that fingernail. Yeah, that mm. messed me up more than whenever he chopped the same guy's leg off and then packed it with a bag full of rock salt. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. The fingernail. I'm like, oh, God. So the now I like, did some Rob Zombie did something like that in House of Thousand Corpses. Oh, yeah. Certain things on like the found footage they'd uh-huh. be going through the Firefly house. And there'd be, like, certain things that were in shots beforehand to try to be like, oh, remember when this happened? Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. The dead cheerleaders and stuff, but. Mm. Yeah, that that got me pretty bad. To this day, uh, whenever I do anything and I bend the fingernail backwards, I will grab it and cover it up and not look at it for fear that this will be the one time (laughs) I finally rip my thumbnail off or my fingernail off. And it just totally messes me up, so. Ah, I, I think, actually, uh, I actually got a good one. Yeah, never thought Stir of Echoes. Yeah, Stir of Echoes is pretty dope. Go on with that one, Preston. It has, it, it has that same like that whole movie doesn't bother me until there's the that dream sequence where he breaks the fingernail yeah. and breaks the tooth. Oh God, it's so I, bad. I can't. Huh. Yeah, that movie's the a fingernail have you seen break. That, Sean, that movie. I don't think I have. That's not oh, the one that too. has uh, Matthew McConaughey in it, and they were killing demons, right? No, it's Kevin no, Bacon. that's uh, Kevin Bacon. Mm. No, Kevin I Bacon, have not. He moves into a house. He starts experiencing. Some, uh, he gets like kind of like hypnotized by mm-hmm. his sister-in-law, I think, and a friend or something like that. And he starts experiencing paranormal shit. And there's like a whole like find my body type of thing. It's fucking awesome. Oh, weird. Interesting. Okay, Good. cool. No, um, but watching The Fly with Jeff Goldblum, there's some uh, fingernail and tooth scenes that are pretty uh, gory uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cronenberg. <laughs> yep. So I would go also with Hostel. And the reason why I made that, that, the reason I say that is because uh, everybody thinks about traveling over overseas differently since that movie. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I, w- I would think that so that that would fall in hand with the paranoia. Uh, I I think about that every time I see Matt and Jenny out in Germany. <laughs> I mean, you never know. Americans go for lots of money. Yeah, but oh, they're protected. Man. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, that movie's pretty good too. With the girl with the eyeball, uh, kind of messed me up a little bit. Yeah. Well, there you go, Amber. If you haven't watched it, watch Fire in the Sky. And guys, we're we're on two hours. Um, we will easily go another hour and a half because there are still at least fifteen more questions mm-hmm. on this list we yeah. got to get to. Um, so we will we will let you all go for now. We will be back next week and finish off this episode. But again, thank you guys very much for writing into us. We sure appreciate the love and the response, and also the questions. We still got plenty of other great ones to answer here. Uh, sorry it ran a little late, but uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Festa, Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa to everybody. Um, and then happy whatever you don't celebrate. If it's another day for you, we hope it's a good day. Yeah, yep. for sure. Cool. All right. Um, let's plug real quick. Uh, Steve, what are the Instagrams and Facebooks? Instagram, PXL Paranormal. And the Facebooks, Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Hit us up on both of them, on the likes, the comments, the shares, and everything in between. We really appreciate it. Also, hit us up on the iTunes for a five-star or whatever you think is a fair review. That'd be awesome. Thank yep. you. 
Yeah. And like and subscribe on YouTube. Yeah, we're on the YouTubes. Please continue raising those numbers up. Check out the rest of the shows on the Pixelated Sausage Network. Speaking of YouTube, check out Attack the Backlog. Check out the other podcast, Our 13 Nightmares episode for Scream should be out very soon. Uh, please, and then also check out uh, Mark Sola's show, uh, Pixelated Sausage. And then check out Anamazingly Baca, or Anamazingly Baca, Jesus. <laughs> Preston, what do you have? And as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow the best holly jolly Santa Claus beard this season, check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order and pick yourself up some scents like Dundee Cedar Bay Rum Sweet Tobacco Fresh Citrus and Classic and Mint. Oh, yeah. And just to throw back to last episode, sweet Tabasco is not a flavor of beard balm. Sweet Tabasco. Sean, wish, Sean wishes it was, but not yet. But do I? That's probably smelled terrible. All <laughs> right. Any last-minute holiday shopping or any post-holiday shopping, please stop down at Pawnee and Seneca CD Trade Post. Say hi to Leslie and the gang for us. That's it. Merry Christmas, and uh, we will see you for New Next Year's. Time. 2020. Yeah, 2021. And with that, I say cheers to the rich in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.